If you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to, to open up to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. Luke is one of the Gospels. That's the four books uh, that basically kind of explain uh, what Jesus' ministry looked like. All right, they're written by different authors, and they were written with a very specific purpose. All right, so we are in, in the Gospel of Luke today. Uh, I'm excited. All right, we're going to be kicking off a new series that we are calling The Not-So-New Way. All right, it's like a dorky, dumb name, okay? All right, and I'll explain it a little bit here, all right? Last week, uh, we had Easter. I love celebrating together with everyone. Hopefully, you had a great Easter, Easter weekend. Weaster, that's not a thing. Easter weekend. Uh, and we talked about how uh, on Easter last week we said this, that we don't just celebrate the resurrection. Like celebrating the resurrection is part of what we do at Easter. And honestly, I think for a lot of Christians, we, we potentially focus so heavily on that that we actually miss more of what's happening. And we kind of use the analogy of like a wedding. Like we go to a wedding and we celebrate the wedding and we're excited about that. But there's actually so much more. There's an entire new life that is happening with this couple as they get married. And when we focus just on the resurrection, we miss the fact that the resurrection actually meant something. It signified something. It pointed to something. And that is a whole new way of living. Right? And so, so we were talking about this idea of we are entering into almost a new world when, when the resurrection happens. A new way of living. And... Uh, this week as I was praying, uh, I kind of decided to go a different direction. We had different plans. We kind of plan out a couple months in advance what we want to talk about in our sermon series. And, and I kind of just scrapped all that. And I'm like, you know what? I want to keep going with what we've talked about here. Uh, I, I loved kind of looking at the last week or so of Jesus' life as we led up to Easter. Uh, I think that was great. And I want us to then kind of follow this through. Because I, I think there's a lot of questions like, did the world actually change? Was there actually a new way of, of living? If the world is such a different and better place, why are we living in a world that seems to be falling apart? Like if this really mattered, if what Jesus did made a difference, why does our world look like the way it does? So what we're going to be doing is going through the, uh, we went kind of through the book of Luke uh, or talked from the book of Luke last week. I'm going to look at a little bit of the ending today, and we're going to branch into the book of Acts. And if you didn't know this, uh, Luke and Acts were actually both written by Luke. And Acts is almost kind of like his sequel. It's the, the everything that happens after Jesus. Luke is, is what happens in Jesus' life. Acts is, okay, Jesus came, things changed, then what? What happened? And, and that's what the book of Acts is, and it talks about kind of the beginning of the church, all right, and the, the goofy name of this series comes from a few things. We, we talked about how there's a new way of living. Uh, and actually, one of the first names given to the followers of Jesus before they were known as Christians, which is kind of the phrase we use, uh, one of the names that we see in Scripture is called the way. They're just to, referred to as like followers of the way. And it, it was this other thing. So we, we kind of were thinking about that. We're like, oh, there's a new way of living. The way, it's kind of people following Jesus. But then actually what I think we're going to see as we dig into this is that what Jesus came to do isn't completely new in and of itself. It's actually bringing us back to what God always intended. When God first created everything, when he made his creation, there was a purpose in it. There, there was a plan that he had. And really that's what we're moving back towards. 
That's what God wants for us. That's, that's a big part of this plan. So that's kind of how we came up with this idea of uh, the not-so-new way, all right? I know it's dorky, whatever, I don't care, all right? So, uh, so let's just, let's be ready today just to kind of focus in on, on God, uh, allow him to speak to us, and then uh, really allow ourselves to maybe even be changed by this time that we have uh, together with him. So uh, if you're able, if you're willing, would you stand with me? I'm going to read uh, a larger portion of scripture this morning than, than usually what we do, uh, and then we're going to go back and kind of dig into it. All right, so we are in Luke chapter 24, uh, and we are looking at a spot that is called the road to Emmaus, all right, starting in verse 13. That day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did uh, powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. They crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some of our women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained scriptures to us? God, I pray that in the same way that, uh, Lord, that these two followers, their eyes were opened. God, I pray this morning that, that we would have the same type of experience. God, that our eyes would be uh, spiritually open to what it is that you have, what it is that you're speaking to us today uh, through this passage, Lord, and, and how it is that you would want us to be different because of that. Jesus, we ask that in your name. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. So everything that Jesus did was about launching a new movement. All right? And actually, it was more than that. It was about launching a new way of living. And the unique thing is, it wasn't just for his followers. This was for everyone. It was intended for all of creation. All right? And if his followers did what they were called to do, everyone would actually benefit from it. Even if they didn't believe or if they weren't a follower, if they rejected it, they still would benefit. Like that, That's what's really amazing uh, about this. So if you are getting ready uh, to make this massive shift and change and send everything, send the world, send your followers in a new direction, 
you would think it would be important that everyone knew what that direction was. All right, if I said, hey, next week we're going to be meeting in a new building. Like, that would be a surprise to a lot of us, myself included. But as we're leaving, you'd probably be like, can I have the address? Like, where is this building? Where am I supposed to be going? Right? Or if I said, hey, we're going to hop in our cars and we're going somewhere really special today. It's really important. All of us should go there. You'd be like, okay, where's the destination? Where's the end result of this? Like, that, it's information that's incredibly important if we're going to move anywhere. All right? And, and so with Jesus starting this new world, this new direction, and he was going to leave and have his closest followers lead this movement, it's probably important that they know where Jesus is calling them to go. All right, well, guess what? After three years of following him, after listening to him preach, after he goes into great detail and explains things to them, they still don't get it. All right, they still don't get it. Sounds like a great start to this new world. This was a massive problem. Like his disciples who were supposed to lead this whole thing, uh, they, they still didn't know what the end game was, what the purpose was, where they were going. And, and I think that's what Luke is trying to demonstrate for us here in this passage today. All right? So this passage we, we read, it's right after the account of the resurrection. Like we have not seen uh, Jesus talked about at all yet. Luke has the resurrection. All right? And then a, li- a little bit of like the women going to the tomb. And then this happens. All right? Uh, and this is the first time he kind of pops in on the scene, and he shows up with some of his followers, but oddly enough, they don't recognize him. And that's an interesting piece to this story. Uh, I believe that there's more going on here, especially in Luke's purpose of telling the story, than just like his friends forgot what he looked like, or God miraculously gave him like this really good disguise. All right, like there's more that's kind of happening here uh, with this. All right, so Jesus appears to these two followers as they're on the road to Emmaus. That's what Luke tells us. Uh, Now, real quickly, does Emmaus mean anything to you? Like when you hear that that town, that village? Probably not, all right? It really didn't mean anything to me. But Emmaus, the town or the area of Emmaus, it meant something to first century Jews who would be reading this. All right, we talked about this big revolt that had happened a little more than 100 years prior to Jesus. And it was led by a guy named Judas Maccabeus. All right, and we talked about this a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, after he had won this last big fight, Judas, uh, kind of basically freeing them from the oppressing nation, he rode back into Jerusalem. And that's actually where we see them lay down palm branches in front of him. See this in the book of Maccabees. It's not in our Bible. It's actually, it would be, uh, the book of Maccabees is listed in the the Bible that the Catholic Church uses. Uh, We see it as just kind of more of a history book. Uh, And he's writing in. So that's where we kind of get that idea on Palm Sunday. That's what they were doing. All right, so this guy, Judas Maccabeus, uh, he has this whole revolt that he's leading. And the final battle of this actually happens at Emmaus. All right, it's called the Battle of Emmaus. And this is kind of the big thing that's going on. Uh, and Judas Maccabeus frees them from this Greco-state nation that was oppressing them. So when Luke includes this detail here, I don't think this is by accident. If you've read through the Gospels, you've probably seen that there's a lot of details that are left out. A lot of details that I wish were in there and maybe you wish were in there. So what that tells me is this, is when a detail is given... There's probably a purpose for it and something that we need to pay attention to. 
All right, so we are going to come back to that later. Jesus starts walking with these followers. He's kind of playing dumb. He asks them, you know, what is going on? What are you guys talking about? Uh, and then he's kind of like, oh, no, I have no idea what's been going on the last three days, as if it isn't all about him. Anyways, all right, so then they tell him everything that's transpired, uh, which understand this, like, that is so much for his followers, like the past week and a half would have been one of the biggest like roller coasters you could ever imagine emotionally. All right, like Jesus rides in and everyone's cheering. They have high hopes that he is going to rescue them. Right, like this passage even says that. Like we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the Messiah. They had all these hopes that were on this. Uh, Jesus then goes to the temple, freaks everyone out, kind of flipping things. People begin to hate him. So his followers were like, man, we were doing well in the polls, Jesus. We have dipped. All right, you need to do some publicity here to get back up. Because that, that stunt at the temple was awful. You know, and like this is what his followers are thinking. They're trying to gain this whole following, this group to kind of go with them. All right, there's a few other interactions that don't go a whole lot better. Jesus is arrested. He is falsely accused. Ends up being given the death penalty. Like imagine, you're one of the followers. Like this roller coaster of what you thought was going to happen. All right, he is killed in front of everyone. Then his body disappears. And supposedly some angels appeared to some women and said he's risen. Like, this is your week and a half. I've thought that I've had some, like, stressful weeks. And I'm like, there's so much unknown in my life right now. Like, can you imagine actually going through this? As a follower of Jesus that's given his li your life to just, like, everything he's doing. It's an emotional week. And they explain all this but they don't know what it means. Like, look at the end of their story. There's no redeeming part at the end of their story. And Jesus gets almost annoyed, is what it seems like here. And he's like, come on, guys. Like, How do you not get this? It says, then Jesus took them through all of the scriptures, explaining it to them. All right, and this isn't just him going back and be like, hey, remember this prophecy? Remember this prophecy? That's, that's not what he's doing here. What this is, is he's going from the start of the scriptures and he's saying, all of this has pointed at me. Everything from the beginning, all the way through. Let me trace God's big picture story, his rescue plan since we screwed up. All of it has been pointing to a Messiah. It's been pointing to me. Everything. God has wanted to renew and redeem his creation. And this is what's happening through me. This is his explanation to them. And at this point, they are reaching their destination. They ask Jesus to stay, so he does. Jesus takes over the meal, kind of does his thing. And he actually, uh, Luke here, here, here's a cool thing. Luke seems to be paralleling this meal, which is the first meal that's spoken of after Jesus has been resurrected. Okay, so in a way, this is the first meal of the new creation. All right, now think back to the first meal of creation. We probably don't think of it as a meal, but Adam and Eve. And the result of that meal, bringing death and decay and sorrow into the world, right? And what Luke is kind of doing here is this idea of like this meal, this new creation that's happening, Jesus taking part in this, this is bringing life. This is bringing joy. This is bringing hope. 
And not only that, but he's actually defeated death, the thing that the first meal brought in. He has defeated that, and they're celebrating it. So we're not going to go into all of that, but like there, there's always these cool parallels that we see that the authors are putting in there. All right, uh, And he starts to break the bread in the same way that he would have at Passover uh, with his 12 disciples. And when he was doing this, it says their eyes were opened and they saw Jesus. And as quick as it happened, he was gone. Like, why? Why did all of this matter? It's this weird little story that only Luke includes in his account. This road to Emmaus thing. Matthew, Mark, John, none of them have it in there. Just Luke does. Well, when each one of these accounts of Jesus was written, it was done with a very specific purpose in mind. The authors are trying to convince the reader of certain things. They are trying to draw parallels to other things. They want the reader to get the whole big picture. All right, this is not just meant to be a biography so that we know what Jesus did. For Luke, he is showing us that despite all that had happened, Jesus' followers still didn't understand. And that's a massive problem. It's a massive problem. Now, I told you we're going to go back to the idea of Emmaus. All right? When Luke includes that detail, I think it's to let us on what part of the problem was here. People were still stuck on their own idea of what Jesus' purpose was. When he says that they were on the road to Emmaus, I think he is pointing to more than just the physical road that their feet were on. All right? Like, I think what Luke is doing here is he is pointing to a mental road that their hearts and their minds were on. All right, like think of it this way. Like they were on a war path. Like when we say that, if someone's marching off to war, we're like, they're on a war path. Is that like a physical street named war path? Well, no. Like there, there's this mental piece that goes with it too. And I think that that's what's happening here, that, that Luke is trying to point to say like, their minds are still on the road to Emmaus. They're still on the road to them being rescued from the Romans, kind of like how Judas Maccabeus had rescued them. And to them, when Jesus died, that dream of being rescued died for them. And then all of a sudden he comes back to life. And for many of his followers, I think that what that did was it didn't usher in a new way of living. It revived their old dream. They were like, hey, the plan's back on. Now we have someone who apparently can't die leading our army. That's a good skill to have. <laughs> like, there's just like even more like, all right, let's go and do this. Even after the greatest miracle, they still focused on what they thought Jesus should be doing. Uh, and to, to show this more and not just kind of harp on these two followers that seem to miss it, Luke throws this in again. Uh, if we go to the second book, Acts, that basically kind of overlaps with the end of Luke. All right, we, we see this spot in Acts chapter 1. And Jesus appears to his followers several times after his resurrection over a 40-day period. All right, in Acts verse 6 in chapter 1, this is when Jesus is ascending to be with his father. Like, this is the end of it. He has been teaching them. He's been with them. Uh, various times for 40 days, talking about the kingdom of God, trying to get his plan across. And right at the end of this, we see this line, verse 6. It says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Like, I can just imagine Jesus in this moment. All right, it's, 
It's like when you're taken off to go somewhere. Okay, I'll, I'll use me as an example. When Emily's taken off to leave, and she, she's headed out, and I've got the kids, and I'm taking care of dinner, and I'm putting them to bed, and, and she's gone over the whole plan with me, and she's gone into great detail. She's written it all out. All right, she's getting her shoes on, her jacket on, and she looks at me as she's getting ready to head out the door and kind of does that quick, like, once over, like, all right, hey, dinner's in the freezer, this, 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 all these different things, just real fast. And I look back, and I'm like, wait, you're leaving? <laughs> what, what's going on? I, I'm doing dinner at McDonald's, right? Oh, it's, it's in the freezer? I have to do something with that? And it, like, in that moment, like, this is what I just kind of see with Jesus. He's like, all right, guys, three years together. The last 40 days, answering every question you could ask, going into great detail of what this plan is. You ready? Because I'm out of here. Uh, hold on, Jesus, one more question. When are you going to restore our, our kingdom? When is this whole thing with Israel happening? No, that's, that's, not, that's not the point. All of creation has been waiting for this, this moment right here, for thousands of years. And these guys are definitely going to screw it up. <laughs> like, that's what you see here. Which I think is part of why Jesus responds the way he does. I'm not going to have it on the screen, but if you read it, he kind of, he gives this quick little answer to them of like, I don't know the time. It's not for you to know the time. Only the Father knows the time. This quick little answer. But then, all of a sudden, his answer goes into talking about the Holy Spirit coming. And I think what's going on here is Jesus had been with them. He had taught them. He had modeled for them what this should be like. But that wasn't enough. Like his influence, his external influence on them wasn't enough. And what they needed was an internal influence. They needed more than Jesus on the outside telling them what to do and modeling it. They needed God working through them so that they could actually accomplish what they were called to accomplish. But that's next week. So for us here, what does this story mean? Well, from a practical Sunday morning side of things, I think if we want to truly understand this series as we go through the book of Acts and we look at what this new movement looked like, if we want to actually understand it, it's important that we have the right mindset and that we are starting in the right place and that we know where the direction is that we're going. Have you ever wanted to find an answer in Scripture? So you open up the Bible looking for anything that will like give you the answer that you're looking for, you can find whatever answer you want in Scripture. Let me just tell you that. Like if you, if you have an idea and you're like, this is what I believe, you can go in and pull out one verse here and one verse there, and you can, you can absolutely make it say whatever you want it to. And I think that's a danger when we read through the book of Acts. If we don't understand where God is going with this, we aren't going to understand what's happening. Especially when we get to a weird story like Ananias and Sapphira, where all of a sudden they lie and they're dead. Maybe you didn't know that was in the book of Acts. It's wild. All right? I've, I have lied in my life, and I have, I have yet to drop over dead from doing it. And you're like, what is going on here? We, we have to understand what, what is happening here. 
It's so important for us. And I think that what we need to know is that the end game of God is new creation. And I love how Jesus left the two disciples in Emmaus. Uh, and the last line of that big, that big chunk of scripture, they look at each other and they say, didn't our hearts burn inside of us as he explained the scripture to us? Here's what I have found. When I really dig into scripture and I understand the things behind it, and I begin to understand the story in a new way, it just burns inside of me. Like that description that they give, I'm like, yeah, I connect with that. Then there are days where I just open up a Bible and just read and I don't really dig into it. I don't know what's going on. And I'll just be honest, it doesn't really burn inside of me. I close the Bible feeling the exact same. Now, is that the Bible's fault? No, that's on me. All right, and I just, I think that for us to kind of, to move forward in some of this, we have to be in a place where we understand, where we want to understand, and we want to move forward with what God's doing. All right, and this, this is so important for us. So I want us to kind of slow down each one of us as we go through this series. I want to challenge you. Maybe you want to get your Bible out. You want to open up to, to the book of Acts and begin reading through some of that. Do some studying on your own. We've talked about uh, the Bible Project. It's an organization that really kind of helps people dig into the Bible better. They have videos. They have a two-part video on the book of Acts that kind of explains it like a commentary. And then they have this mini-series with different animation where they're actually like showing the events kind of of the book of Acts. And maybe you want to pull that up and you want to watch things like that. You want to dig into this. I want to challenge you as we go through the book of Acts. Let's, let's really, let's make this something that's important to us. All right? Find a way to make this burn inside of you. So important that we have a, a better understanding of the big picture of Scripture and what God is doing. All right? The disciples, I think they were a lost cause at times because they were looking at the small picture of their world and their own kingdom. So they couldn't see what Jesus was doing. All right? And just like the two on the road to Emmaus, that couldn't see Jesus until he explained the full picture of Scripture and they got their focus off their own ideas. They said they had hoped he would do this. Their own ambition was in the way. Right? Like, we can only fully see Jesus and what he is doing when we learn how to recognize him in the big picture of what God is doing. Otherwise, we start fitting Jesus into our own little ideas. And we think Jesus looks like this and he's... American, and he's six foot two, blonde haired, blue eyed, Republican Jesus. Right? We've all seen that. Like, there's, you know, that, that, there's a picture of Jesus that is a very, very light skinned Jesus. And it is the most famous picture. It has like 500 million copies that have been sold. And it's kind of that like side profile, like glamour shot, like picture of Jesus. And you're just like, that. But we like to hang that picture on our wall. Let's just put it that way. Like that's, we like to hang our idea of what we think Jesus is on our wall and be like, look at Jesus. He's my Jesus, and he works for me. And that's just not, that's not what this is. All right, let's stand together as we close. But what I think we need to do today in our life and every day is this. All right, so that, that's kind of like, how do we approach this moving forward? How do we look at this series? How do we allow God to challenge us? All right, I, I want 
this is what I think we do today. I think we spend too much time focusing on, on Jesus growing our kingdom. All right? We kind of ask him that same question. Jesus, when are you going to restore my kingdom? When are you going to restore our kingdom? And that's not what it's about. It isn't just about you. It's not about me. It isn't just about the Israelites. This is about all of creation being redeemed through this plan. All right, all of creation should benefit from us living this out. Like, that's what's really cool about this, is it's not just for Christians. This is for all of creation to benefit. And if we get so focused on our little kingdom here, our family, our jobs, our houses, our retirement, and our savings, all right, like, that, we're going to miss this. God is saying this is so much more than just about you. And the American church has this terrible mindset that somehow this is about us. It's, it's like we're, we're the leading Christians in the world. Like, good thing the God ha that God has us. Because uh, what else would he do? And there, there's so many other believers. You know that, that in Africa right now, the church is growing faster than anywhere else in the world. That we are not the only country that sends out missionaries, sends out people to other nations. Like, this isn't about us. This is about the followers of Jesus everywhere. It's about those that are lost everywhere. And we need to wake up each day and realize that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. All right, so th this is my like one point, one challenge for us as we walk out of here today. All right, here's what we need to realize. realize. Recentering our focus on the kingdom of God is a daily necessity. If we don't do this, if we don't wake up each day and say, I need to refocus on the kingdom of God. If we don't do that, here's what happens. We wake up and we're like, hey, this is about going to heaven. And I've gone to church more than I haven't this month. So I'm probably good. As long as my kids are good, maybe my grandkids are good. As long as we're going to heaven, like I'm good with this. And that's not what God's plan is. We don't see that in Scripture. That this, this is not about that. It's about something so much bigger. And we drift from this. If we don't do this each and every morning, I guarantee that you are going to live that day for your own kingdom. Because that's what the world around us tells us to do. That's what our family asks us to do. That's what we feel is demanded of us, is living for our kingdom. All right, and the reason why we have to do this daily, Jesus' disciples spent every day with him and they still couldn't get this. And this doesn't mean that we need to just wake up and read our Bible each morning. We've already talked about that. Like I can read the Bible and not have my mind and my heart on God's kingdom. And I'm gonna walk away from that time still living for my own kingdom. It's not about just getting that quiet time in each morning. This is a mindset thing. This is a heart thing. This is so much bigger than that. So I want to challenge us with this. Like this is where we take our faith into our own hands. And I don't have a great answer for you of what this looks like for you. And that's on purpose. I think sometimes we, we rely too much on a pastor or somebody to lay everything out. What's my next steps? How should I do this? What does this look like tomorrow? No, this is something between you and God. 
What do you need to do to get your heart, to get your mind living for his kingdom every single day? Because if you wake up tomorrow and you don't do this, you're going to live for your own kingdom. If I wake up tomorrow and I don't do this, I'm going to live for my own kingdom. I know that. I know that. So this is my challenge for us this week. Maybe it's personal worship in the morning. Maybe it is time in God's word. Maybe you're the type of person you need to write out like a statement, a declaration that you're going to put somewhere. You see it each morning saying, God, I'm living for your kingdom. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done, not my will be done. And then we live our day with that in mind. You might be here today and you're like, this is wildly new to me. I have no idea what you're talking about. But maybe you're just feeling a little bit of a tug and you're like, I, there's something more to life than what I've realized. And I need to be living my life differently. All right? Like what we want to do is we want to come alongside you and agree with you and be like, all right, let's help you figure this out. All right, so if that's you, there's a connect card in the seats. On the back, there's a box that says, I want to follow Jesus. All right? I want you to to write your name and just check that. Drop it in the box out there as you're leaving. We want to connect with you. All right? I'm not going to do something here right now because if you don't connect with somebody, you don't have follow-up, you don't have somebody grabbing you by the hand and saying, let's make this happen, it's probably not going to happen. So we want to follow up with you. All right? I want to close us in prayer this morning. I want you during this time just to take a moment, spend some time with God and say, God, where is my heart at? What kingdom am I living for? And how can I change that if it's most likely my own? God, I pray that as we take the next few months even, just going through the book of Acts, looking at some of these stories, God, I know that I personally, I've read through them many times. But God, I know that there are pieces that I'm missing. I know that there are things that I I haven't noticed. I know that there are things that you're wanting to speak to me through that. God, and maybe the the last time I read through some of these, I wasn't ready to hear your voice in this area or something. But God, I, I ask that you just right now in my life and in every life in this room, you begin to just prepare us for what it is that you want to speak to us over the coming months. God, if there's parts of our life that are hindering us, that are stopping us from following you and living for your kingdom, that you would highlight those, you would point those out to us. God, I pray that every single one of us, Lord, would have this desire to live for your kingdom. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen.